Hi. My first word to you today is Happy Easter. I'm Ken Clark, the minister of the Old First Church in Bennington, Vermont. This Easter service 2020 is one of a series created in answer to the challenge of these times. The service is usually posted weekly on our website and also as a podcast which is entitled A Walk to Cleo Hall. And that can be found on Spotify and perhaps other broadcast apps. This service is for Easter Day, April 12th, 2020. And the preacher is myself, Ken Clark, with the organist being Jean-Marie Callahan. Enjoy. Good morning, one and all, and happy Easter. Join me in the Easter proclamation. This is the day of resurrection. Let us rejoice and be glad. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Let us rejoice and be glad this day. Our Easter hymn with which we begin the service is Come, ye faithful, raise the strain. Come, ye 
Join me, if you will, in saying the opening prayer, which is found in our order of service. We believe in God who created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live with respect in creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. If we confess our faults, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. first lesson for this Easter day is from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, verses 1 through 6. At that time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again, you shall take your tambourines and go forth in the dance of merrymakers. Again, you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. For there shall be a day when sentinels will call in the hill country of Ephraim, come, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. Here ends the first lesson. Our next hymn is Jesus Christ is Risen Today.
second lesson is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, in the 28th chapter, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly, with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Here ends the second lesson. Good morning to you this Easter morning. I hope it's a good day for you. We are celebrating our Easter service. Usually this is the day when, well, the church isn't the fullest. I have to admit that the church is usually the fullest around Christmas time, but Easter day it would be pretty full and pretty joyful. The church today is empty of everyone except Jean Marie and myself who are bringing you this service, and we bring you both our best wishes and we hope to share a few moments of this Easter day with you, even though we can't all be together here in person. I want to first comment a little bit on the readings before I go into the full sermon. The reading from Jeremiah is so hopeful at a time like this, promising a day to come, and I will build you and you shall be built. You shall shake your tambourines and go forth in the dance of merrymakers. You shall plant vineyards on the mountains, the planters shall plant and enjoy the fruit, a promise of good to come. And that's one of the best messages we can share this day, this Easter day, what Easter is about, the promise of good to come, that there is something for us in the future, that it is not all dark and drear, it is not all isolation and loneliness, but it is a promise made to us, a promise of good to come. In the same way, in the Gospel of Matthew, we hear a similar theme. Not just the empty tomb, not just the angel, but in the person of Jesus. And it's so critical at this point in this section of the Gospel of Matthew. So critical when the women, the first people to see the risen Christ, the women who come to the tomb out of care and love, who come to make sense of all the confusion around them, all the sadness, all the despair. I spoke of fear several weeks ago. Fear is a thing that is in moderation a good thing to have. Fear, when we are overcome with it, is too much. But these two come to the tomb, putting aside their fear, putting their fear in context and coming up right to the place of their grief, the place that will remind them of their sharpest pain and loss and face it directly. By so facing that, they see not darkness and disaster, but uncomprehendingly good news. 
this angel who says to them that Jesus will come and then they see the risen Christ. The wonderful thing about this is not just the empty tomb, which they do leave quickly with fear and great joy, suddenly their feelings in competition, but they encounter Christ. And there's so much in this gospel that goes out of its way to have the women touch the feet of Christ, a physical embodiment of the fact that he is there with them in a real and physical way. Hard to understand, hard to wrap our heads around this piece of scripture, to make sense of it in any way that accords with our experience except through our faithful reading. And then, of course, Jesus says to them, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. Again, putting fear aside, putting fear in context and asking people to travel onward, to go further, to go deeper into that place of unknowing, to encounter something that will yield ultimate good. So in both these sections of scripture, we have that sense of promised good to come, promised good for the people of Israel in the book of Jeremiah. Take your tambourines, dance the dance of merrymakers. In the gospel of Matthew, the promise of Christ, not behind us, not in the grave, not anywhere but before us, ahead of us, ready to greet us, ready to help us, ready to journey with us. This is the promise of the gospel and the promise of Easter Day. Every year, I repeat something that I will repeat now at Easter. There are two times, as I mentioned, to be in church, two times when the church is full, Easter and Christmas. This year, our Christmas was quite full. Happily so. We were all kind of unknowing about what the year would bring, but certainly positive and hopeful. This Easter day, amazingly, this Easter day, this church is empty. No one here. But for those who visit twice a year, I always say this at Easter time, for those who visit twice a year, who come once in a while to church to hear the message, what does the church have to say on them this day when those who perhaps are not in this place every week come dressed well and happily, ready to celebrate? What do we say to them? What do they hear? They hear many things, I suppose, depending upon what church you go to. You may hear about spring and joy and great celebrations and the unconquerable spirit of life that pushes through everything to bring us good. Yes, you hear those things, but this is not what Easter is fully about, not simply a spring festival, not simply a day when we open our doors and go outside. Easter is about a simple proclamation. We had it this morning as part of the opening prayer, part of a creed, to celebrate God's presence, to celebrate God's living presence here with us, Easter, to live with respect in creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice, resist evil, to proclaim, and here is the Easter message, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. That is the Easter message. That is the heart of the proclamation. And you haven't gone to church on Easter if you haven't heard that message. 
Now, what you do with that message is entirely up to you. But if you haven't heard that message, I haven't done my job this morning in this church. Christ, who taught and gathered his followers, was killed. And on the third day, resurrected, as he said, he is the resurrection and the life. Resurrected in the body and promised that there is for the believer life after our mortal death. This is what the church has to say. It's frankly a a difficult truth, considering all those two-timers, let's call them the Christmas and Easter crowd. Really not so many in this church. I'm just using them as an example, I suppose. But those who show up twice a year, Christmas is easy. It's a bright and warm holiday in a cold time of year. But Easter, you come to church all dressed up and happy, hoping to have a great family day. And you hear some of the most incredible things that you could ever imagine. Christ died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Christ lives. Christ rose from the dead. These are strange things. If I were a marketer hoping to increase the size and influence of the church, I might want to tell you something else, something more believable, something that you are more able to get your mind and heart around. I might perhaps water down some of the message to make it slip in in a certain way. But no, this is the message. Christ died, Christ rose, Christ is there for us in a real and living way even to this day. Of course, this Easter is different, or is it? Has the message changed this Easter? Is Easter any different because of what's going on around us in the world? Has our message changed about who Christ is and what that work is? No, because we have no gathering here at the church, no great celebration, no big crowd. It can't be Easter, but that too is not the case. Easter is there for us in every day, in every year, in every age, in every condition, in every situation. Easter is there for us in times of bright light and joy, flowers, parades, but Easter is there for us as well in times when streets are empty, when the skies are dark, when we feel alone and isolated. The Easter message does not change. The Easter message is there and consistent and unchanging. It has been there forever. I tell you that I bring you news, and the the news is 2,000 years old. The news is 2,000 years old, and it hasn't changed. The world has gone through so much, and this message is the same and will not change. Easter is not the celebration we share on a certain Sunday in the spring. Easter is the message. Easter is the truth behind our celebration. There are appointed times and seasons, and we like to run our lives by orderly calendars. At least some do. I'm kind of an exception to that. But for the most part, we run our lives by orderly calendars. But this year, we see that life has other plans. Easter doesn't seem to come when we have slated it. We don't control the times or seasons or events this year. We must live them. And that really is a lesson to all of us because that is the case 
in any event. We're not in control. We respond to what life gives us, and we as Christians respond to what life gives us faithfully. And we as Christians are who we are because of what Easter is, a statement about life and death and our purpose. Easter and Passover, as spring festivals are connected, and they, their ritual observance helps us to connect with the underlying truth. When we do celebrate Easter every year, we remind ourselves of Easter every day. We remind ourselves that Christians live Easter every day. But Easter is a good way to remind ourselves at a special time, a good way for us to show ourselves how important it is. However, sometimes it's also true that in the routine of Easter every year and in the ritualized observances, we actually lose point of the central message, of the essential truth. The parade takes over from the message. The gathering together and the happiness and the joy might obscure the deeper truth. The message, the report that I bring on Easter Day is that 2,000-year-old piece of news that is unchanging. I didn't do the research to substantiate the next statement I'm going to make, but I'm going to make it anyway. I'm not sure exactly when the early church had this kind of an Easter celebration. I'm not sure. I know when the first Easter was. It was when Christ rose from the dead. That's Resurrection Day. But where the celebration of Easter with the eggs and the hymns and the songs and the gatherings, when that came about is a different story. And later in our church history, the Easter that is the bright clothes and flowers and the Easter egg hunt, the Easter that is the ham on the table or perhaps the leg of lamb, I know those weren't the first Easter. Even Congregationalists, the early New Englanders, the Protestants here in New England, did not have this Easter day, this celebration. They weren't liturgical. They didn't run their lives by that kind of a calendar of saints' days and high holy days. They met every Sunday, and, and for them, every Sunday was a little Easter. That was their response to the church, the larger church with its great Easter celebration. Their response was every Sunday Christians gather, every time Christians gather, every time a prayer is said, every time we read scripture, we remember Christ died and rose from the dead and is alive in our hearts and present among us today. Every gathering is an Easter gathering. They had in their Lord's Supper, of course, that meal, that agape feast, even the Puritans had the Lord's Supper, that Seder-like ritual retelling of Christ's work and presence, not every week in the congregational church, but perhaps once a month, the gathering together of the church in this way for this feast, for this meal, it was a remembering, a retelling, and an assertion of Christ's presence. The gathering is the body of Christ each Sunday. The gathering together of Christians as the body of Christ each Sunday, this was an Easter, a coming alive, an assembly.
each time an acknowledgement that Christ lives, Christ is risen in the community's witness and in individual lives. So Easter, Easter Day is less about this time in spring, less about this particular Sunday upon which it may happen, and more about ourselves, our faith, and the way we live, the way we face life and death, like the women going to the tomb, the way we face life and death in its best times and its hardest times. Easter is about the way we face life and death, adversity and apparent loss, apparent and evident loss, the way we face these things with a deep and abiding faith. But ah, you say, Easter may not have a day or an hour, but it has a gathering of faithful. It has a community. You just said so, how people gather together, the body of Christ. This shared meal, this fellowship you talk about. Yes, that is Christ's body coming together of a community, a faithful community. That is Christ's body. But let's return to that first Easter and see a little more. It begins with those women, the witnesses, and those who followed them, an encounter. The first encounter is, if not alone, one-on-one. The first encounter is not a group gathering, is not a shared meal. The first encounter is almost a fear and trembling approach, that point in life where you don't know and suddenly you find out. That point in life when you think you might lose it and suddenly you know that you can go a step further. You can carry on. That point in life when you encounter Christ. That Easter morning, Mary Magdalene and that other Mary in coming to the tomb are there for that individual encounter. Think, too, of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. Think of the Ethiopian eunuch. Think of others. Thomas at the point in which he meets Jesus in an upper room. Think of those who meet in those early days. It is, even when others are around, a personal encounter. This point is the sense of the risen Christ as an individual experience, which ultimately leads to the church. But it begins with individuals. It begins with you who have come here in a great crowd of people, albeit imaginary, those of you who are here today in a great crowd of people. And in that imaginary crowd, I'll tell you the balconies, the galleries are full today. Every seat on the first floor is taken. You're in this big crowd, but the encounter, the news, is for you as an individual about what has happened to Christ and what may happen in your life. It is an individual experience which leads you to the church, but it begins and ends always with you. And on that point, I want to add that sometimes the church is not even a church. Sometimes that church is the place where you are right now a place where you are perhaps with one or two others gathered, a place where you are that you feel safe, a place of refuge, a place where you go to be yourself, 
a place where you are accepted, where you feel trust, where you are loved, a place where you are loved and where you love others. That is the church, the body of Christ. Whether it's a big white building, empty or full, imaginarily full, whether it's your den at home, whether it's a common table and good meal with others, wherever it may be, however it may be marked or denominated, it is that place of love and hope and refuge and safety and trust where you are accepted. The people who create these places are ministers. And the Spirit of Christ is present there. To have that feeling, to need that feeling, to go towards that feeling, is the beginning of all religion. It's the call of Christ to say, go ahead, go to that place, and meet me there. That is the church. That is where Christ will be found this day and every day. The Easter day for the disciples was, like perhaps today for some of you, a time of dread and uncertainty, of isolation. It was a time of people being in an upper room. It is a time where they talked little, where there was a fear of death or discovery, a sense that the sun had set was never to rise again on their hopes or their joys. This was the position of the disciples, scattered and alone before the news of Easter. This was the position of the disciples before coming to believe that Christ not only was dead, they knew that, but Christ had risen and was there for them. And it was in that desolate and abandoning night that those disciples had, that Christ came. And we all know, when I describe a des desolate and abandoning night, what that is all about. We've all been there. Some of us may be there now. But it was at that time, in separate isolation and rooms, that Christ came. First, as a word carried by a friend. And then by the light of dawn. And then perhaps by an encounter that individually changed a life. When that happened, when that happens, at once happy news, but also bewilderment. How do you get your head around such news? That this is the reality of the world, that the reality of the world wasn't what you imagined, but you see it in a new way. That you must believe and look upon the same world with new eyes, that your approach must be entirely different and that your life can be lived in the same paces but in an entirely new way. Lazarus died and Jesus raised him from the dead to live again. And so he lived to die again. Jesus rose and lives and never will taste of death again. That is the difference. That is the Christian difference that allows us to look on this life and see it not as the final point, but as a stop on a journey. And each of us takes this news differently. Each of us interprets this news differently. We live it differently. 
Some will live it well, some live it poorly, some live it with great faith and easy acceptance, some struggle their whole life to figure out what that could mean. Some live it with courage, some live it with fear. Some of us go groping along, not knowing what, but figuring that we don't want to be left behind. We're all there in that ark. Those who live the Easter joy best encounter that Christ in some form, in some form. Remember grasping those feet and saying you are here. Some of us live this news best, encountering it in some personal form in our own life. And by that encounter, they know that their Redeemer liveth. The Easter joy is not just a general happiness or a warm breeze or good outcomes or flowers or the brightness of spring itself and its colors. The Easter joy is our knowing that death is not a final word, that darkness is not unending, that pain and loss resolve in deeper meaning, and that this meaning is a goodness, a core of life that is eternal and unending. It calls us, it waits for us, it hopes for us as we hope for it. Easter invites us to move to that side of life, not to allow our hearts or our minds to remain unwarmed and uncommitted by this news, uncaring about the choice we have in life in the days ahead. Our choice for this goodness, for this charity, for this full life, this joy, which is shown this day, this Easter morning, by Christ risen, by Christ waiting for us in the days ahead on the road we travel. Happy Easter. Amen. Our sermon hymn is Thine is the Glory.
Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. We're coming to you again by recording, Jean-Marie Callahan, our organist, and myself, wishing that we could share this day with you together here at the church. Sadly, that is not so, but we'll look forward to a time when we will be together again. In the meantime, uh, let us stay together, connected as a church and as a church family. And if you're listening to this from afar, uh, greetings to you too, as well. To the children, I hope you're at home and have found some eggs and have had a nice treat for Easter. Uh, that's the way it should be. Fisher, Winnie, Cadia, Sage, Skylar, Zeke, Ashley, all of you in your finery. Happy Easter. Of course, with Easter comes a lot of hard work. The church is still hard at work. Nancy Andrews, to whom I also want to thank for producing the bulletin and all the logistics of making this possible today and every day. Our Easter flowers, which um, are given in memory of of people, will be uh, used at a time when we once again meet. And uh, since every Sunday, as I've noted, is a kind of Easter, uh, we will have Easter flowers yet and be able to enjoy them. So um, I want to thank Nancy for all her work and the trustees, our moderator, the committees, the deacons, uh, everybody working so hard to keep ourselves in a semblance of efficiency and order. The morning offering for the work of our church will now be received.
give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be, all that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. Let us pray. Dear God, we give you thanks this Easter day for the bright good news of the resurrection of Christ, for life that outruns our grasp and knowing, for hope, for beauty, for the promise of things to come that shall be good, for knowledge that we can put aside our fear, that we can take a rest and not be anxious, that we can rely upon your promise and upon your peace. And so may that love and peace, which passes our understanding, that love and peace that shall keep us and abide with us this day and ever, may that be a fresh and new sense in our heart. May we live these days going forward, anxious to encounter Christ, to see in acts of mercy and kindness, of acceptance and love, that spirit which is Christ's life and teaching and presence. Let us see that in the work we do, in the friendships we kindle, in those we care for, in those we open our hearts to, in those we become aware of. Teach us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Teach us to remember the heritage we have and the faith we are given. Bless this church, O Lord, and bless your church throughout the world. Remember this day those who are ill, those who have died. Remember especially, Lord, those who have died in this place and throughout the world at this time. And remember all the souls who have died, who are held in your keeping. Remember those who are ill and those who seek to heal. Remember those who keep us safe in these days. Remember those who care in any way for others and help us be part of that caring group. Help us to do our part, great or small, to bring that light to this life. We remember all those who have given us love through the years, family and friends, teachers, companions. We recall our families and pray that you keep them strong. We remember our friends and pray that we may among ourselves develop wisdom and patience, that we may be humble in what we do, that we may be kind in what we say, that we may be loving in the greetings we give for this earth which is watered from the heavens upon which your sun will shine and upon which green shoots and bright flowers will come as a sign, a symbol of your eternal promise. We give thanks for this earth and our care of it 
and for all the joys it brings. And so let this day be one of joy. Let us be happy. Let us see where we stand in the line of history and know that days will come when we shall dance with tambourines and merrymaking. And those days will be soon at hand. Now in silence, we make our prayer to you. Amen. And as Christ has taught us, we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our final hymn this Easter day is All Creatures of Our God and King.
now may God bless us and keep us. May God's face shine upon us this Easter day and give us peace forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
No coffee hour again this week. You're on your own. Check in again next week, and in the meantime, be well. Permission to podcast and stream the service music is granted under license number 3009679 from CCLI, and all other creative rights are reserved. See you next week.